You know, today we gather on Easter to celebrate what is the pinnacle of our Christian faith. It's undeniably one of the most important events in, in all of human history. And for Christians, what we commemorated on Friday, Good Friday, is the death of Jesus. Now, when I was a kid, I used to get Good Friday and Black Friday confused. Did anyone else struggle with that? Be honest. If this has been a struggle for you, just me, really? You're all laughing at me? Nobody else? Okay, one in the back. Thank you. Thank you, Troy. Uh, this, was a, this was a struggle for me, and I think this is why. You know, this was the day that Jesus died, and we call it Good Friday. And I just couldn't understand why the day that Jesus died was a Good Friday. And then I couldn't understand why the day that you got all the cheap early Christmas presents was called Black Friday. Why you go out and get those, it just didn't make sense. And then I, I grew up, and I matured a little bit, and I began to understand that the reason why Good Friday is Good Friday is because the day that Jesus died was the beginning of a weekend that truly demonstrated God's goodness to us and his love to us in a way that we would never otherwise know. God's sacrifice of his son through Jesus was a good gift. And that's why I could understand that Good Friday, what that meant and why it was called Good Friday. And then as I matured and grew up, I understood why Black Friday, this day that you were forced to get up early and go out and fight crowds and actually do shopping, why that would be seen as a black and dark day. And I understood, well, and I think it has something to do with business being in the black that day. But anyway, it, under, it made more sense to me in that time. And you know, when we remember Jesus' death, even on Good Friday, we do it with a sense of hope because Jesus' death was not the end of his story, and that gives you and I hope for the end of our story as well. And that's what makes this day, Easter Sunday, so incredible, because 2,000 years ago, what everybody thought was the end wasn't really the end at all. And today, we're gonna be looking at Jesus' story according to an eyewitness named Mark, and Mark was one of Jesus' followers. But having witnessed Jesus' death, they, all of Jesus' followers, not only thought that this was the end of Jesus' story, but they all also believed that it was the end of their story as well. They thought they had found a great purpose in life, but Jesus' death left them disappointed and directionless. They thought that they had found an incredible lifelong friendship and relationship, but Jesus being gone from them left them feeling alone and abandoned. They had dreams of what their life could be like, but those dreams seemed to be buried in the tomb with Jesus. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this this morning because I'm sure you've all felt disappointment somewhere in your life. Maybe this morning your life isn't going the direction that you had hoped it would be going. Maybe you're starting to wonder if because of the events of your life, if you'll ever really experience a meaningful life and a hopeful life again the way you once did. Maybe you're beginning to lose hope that there could be a new beginning for you, that there could be a fresh start. But the incredible message of Easter is found in one question. What if what we thought was the end really isn't the end at all? What if we started to, the thing that we started to resolve in our hearts that was going to bring our life to a close, or at least the hopeful or meaningful part of our life, what if it really wasn't the end at all? And we're going to look at Mark chapter 16. We're going to look at the Easter story that's found in Mark's recording in his gospel in verses one through eight. So you can either open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16 or you can follow along in your outlines that were provided for you or on the screens. As we begin with verse one, it says this, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us? 
from the entrance to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. So I want to pause there for just a minute. These three women, devoted followers of Jesus, came to the tomb and they had purchased burial spices. Do you know why these three women brought spices with them that day? Because dead bodies don't smell good. That's the reason they were bringing spices. And beyond that, in that day, bringing spices to the tomb was much like what we do with flowers to someone's graveside. It was a way to show honor and respect to someone who they had loved, who had passed away. They came and kind of anointed his, the dead body with spices in that time. So on the way to the tomb, this is the point. What did the women expect to find? They fully expected to find a dead body. That's why they brought the spices. They fully expected to find Jesus' body in the tomb. And so on their way to the tomb, there was not any conversation about Jesus' resurrection. On their way to the tomb, there was not any hopefulness about Jesus being alive. There was none. They couldn't imagine a scenario where death was not the end. Because in the history of humanity, death had always been the end. Their hopes had died with Jesus. They had seen Jesus, the one they loved, the one that they had given their lives to follow. They had seen him publicly humiliated. They saw him beaten. They watched him willingly endure the cross as if he was ready for the end. They watched him as Roman soldiers pierced his side then they were a part of removing his bloodied body from the cross. They held his lifeless body in their arms. And their disappointment made this feel like it was most certainly the end. But today, today something is different. Picking it up in verse 5, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Now I want you to put yourself in the middle of this scene for just a minute. It would be like if you showed up at the funeral of a friend of yours, someone you loved, and you were told when you arrived that your friend who you had seen die is now alive. And well, and nonetheless, this message was brought to you by an angel, all right? This would be shocking. And for these women, it was troubling, it was confusing, it was scary all at the same time. And verse 8 of Mark chapter 16 then says this, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And on that note, the earliest manuscripts that we have of the gospel of Mark end. It just ends. It's pretty anticlimactic. It's not how we expected the story to end, but that's how it ends. We'll get back to that in just a second. How many of you have ever read a book or you've seen a movie that didn't end well? In your opinion, you just did not like the ending, if that's your experience. Yeah. Any Marvel movie fans here? Okay. Listen to the excitement in the room. We're not as excited about the resurrection as we are about Marvel, but whatever it takes, we'll get you engaged this morning. That's good. Yeah, Avengers Endgame gets released this Thursday, and if you're a Marvel movie fan, you probably already have your tickets and you've been awaiting it. If you haven't seen the other 19 Marvel flicks that led up to this one, you've got some movie binge watching to do this week, so you better get busy in the next few days. You know, when I watched the last Avengers movie, Infinity War, I watched it with my family, 
Uh, we didn't watch it in the theater. We watched it at home after it came out because I'm too cheap to take my whole family to the theater. Um, but as we were watching it, I, at the end of this movie, the heroes don't win. In fact, many of them die. About half of them, they just kind of disintegrate at the end of the movie. And if you're a Marvel fan and you have favorite character and you're watching this happen, you're like, oh, no, 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 not him. No, not her. No, don't let her. And then they disappear. It's pretty discouraging. Evil triumphs in the end of that movie. And I remember it started with one of my kids. As soon as that happened, one of them said, wait, what kind of ending is that? How can it end like this? It's the kind of ending that just leaves you stunned. Where's the happily ever after? Don't the heroes need to win? And personally, I kind of liked it because it, it just secured that there is going to be a sequel, you know. Uh, there's going to be a next Avengers movie because surely it wouldn't end like that. And sure enough, there is a next Avengers movie that all of us can go spend another 12 bucks on and experience personally this Thursday or beyond. But Mark's gospel is a little bit like that. We don't get the ending we want. It leaves us a little bit uncertain. Matthew gives us the strong ending that we want with Jesus giving this post-resurrection speech, uh, rally speech, it's awesome. Luke gives us this beautiful ending that we love with Jesus ascending and then promising his return and that the Holy Spirit will be present. And then John gives us this great finale. John, the one who was close to Jesus and loved Jesus with the gentle, loving return of Jesus as he's sitting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee with his closest followers, just having that last intimate moment together before he goes to heaven. But hey, Mark, Mark, where's Jesus at the end of your story? He's missing. He doesn't show up, and we're left with only this, faith. Faith in what is yet unseen. Faith in the possibility of hope still ahead. Faith in what is yet to be written. Now, some of you, if you have your Bibles open this morning, you're saying, hey, Rick, there are 11 more verses after verse 8. Starts in verse 9 of chapter 16, and it goes to 20. That is true. But in every one of your Bibles, there will be a little note in between verse 8 and verse 9. And this only happens at a couple of places in all of Scripture. And that little note says that in Mark's earliest manuscript, these last 11 verses weren't present. And what happens is, Mark was the earliest gospel writer. And so what happened is, as later as the other gospels were written, and then as they got translated down through time, probably in the second century, the early church fathers looked at the end of the other three gospels, and they looked at the end of Mark's gospel, and it's like they said, they saw the women left, and they were disappointed and discouraged. And they're like, we can't end it that way. We're not going to end it that way. And so they kind of made this culmination of the events that they had experienced, and they tagged these last 11 verses on there. And that's why there's a note in Scripture that says this. This was not part of the original manuscript. And everything in those last 11 verses is true and accurate, but it wasn't written by Mark. It came later. Mark's gospel leaves us wanting. Mark's gospel leaves us feeling like this end isn't satisfactory. And just like we don't like uncertainty in the way that our movies or our books end, we also don't like uncertainty in our own lives as well. And sometimes we feel frustration or we experience failure or fear because we have some uncertainty in the way that our story is unfolding because oftentimes the events of our life bring us to a place where we realize the direction that our life is going is not the way that we wanted it to go. When these three women show up with their spices, it's powerful because these three women have this certain strength about them, even in their uncertainty. 
these women, we might call them the original Spice Girls. I'm sorry. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> you can take that with you. Listen, these three women, they had a different kind of strength. They showed up to the place where their dream died. They're going back to face their loss. They're returning to grieve and to move towards God even when it felt dark and uncertain in their life. That's strength. That's strength when you're willing to move towards God even in the darkness, even in the uncertainty. So we know Jesus is missing at the end of Mark's story, but who else is missing? Peter, where's Peter at the end of Mark's story? Mr. I'll die for you, Jesus, waving his sword, saying all kinds of bold things about God's kingdom that was coming and his role in it. Peter is nowhere. He left in the third quarter because the game looked like it would be a loss and there was no way that Peter was gonna stick it out. He's so disappointed, so frustrated, so afraid, so ashamed of his own actions. He can't even show up. <laughs> Maybe Peter can't bring himself to face even greater disappointment than what he was already experiencing. And sometimes when life fails to meet our expectations, we're a lot like Peter. When we're disappointed with what's going on in our lives, we tend to run away from God instead of running towards him. When disappointment hits, when we feel uncertain, we have this tendency to move away from God instead of moving towards him. The greater our expectation of what could be, the deeper our disappointment in times of uncertainty. Isn't that true? I mean, think about it. The more we believe in something then, and then it doesn't seem to be working out the way that we thought it would, the more disappointed that we are. And I'd be willing to bet that that's true of many of us in this room this morning. Some of you in this room this morning, sure you showed up for Easter service, but if you're honest, you don't really expect much out of life anymore. Or maybe even more specifically, if you were honest this morning, you didn't show up for Easter service this morning expecting much out of God in your life. It's your defense mechanism to deal with the uncertainty and disappointment. The uncertainty just lowers your expectations of God. And maybe what was true for Peter and the other disciples is true for you this morning as well. They're missing from the end of Mark's story. They're hiding in their disappointment and their uncertainty and their disappointment made them expect less of God too. We were watching the Easter story the other night, one of the renditions of it uh, on TV and a question came up within my family of like, didn't Jesus tell his disciples he was gonna rise after his death? Why weren't they expecting it? And you know, I got to thinking about that and I thought about all the promises that you and I know are true about God as well. But boy, when we're in our dark places, we don't really turn to God and his promises very quickly, do we? We find them a little bit hard to believe. I think that's where Peter and the disciples were. And I believe that our uncertainty and our disappointments lead us to expect less from God also. Maybe a past decision that you can't seem to move beyond, a family problem that you can't seem to solve, a lost job that you can't seem to replace, or depression or anxiety or sickness, some way that you feel broken and you just can't seem to fix things in your life leads to these disappointments that have lowered your expectations of God and you've allowed those disappointments to rob you of what is real faith in your life. 
You've allowed those disappointments and those places of uncertainty to rob you of your trust in believing God is who he said he is and he can do what he said he'd do in your life. And I think that's a lot how Peter felt when he hid in the dark after Jesus' death. A week earlier, Peter was willing to risk everything for, for Jesus, but now his disappointment just robbed him of his faith. And let me ask you this this morning, does your disappointment have you a little bit leery of expecting too much from God in your life? Do you show up this morning with any expectation that God could do anything in your life at all? Does your uncertainty about your present or your future have you worried? Does disappointment keep you from trusting God? Maybe once you trusted God with lots of things in your life, but now you're not sure that you can really trust God with anything in your life. Maybe those women felt the weight of uncertainty too when they realized that they couldn't move the stone that was in front of the tomb. They couldn't do it on their own. They remembered on their way to the tomb that the Roman soldiers had put this large stone in front of the tomb that was sealed. It was unable for them. It was an obstacle that was too big for them to move. But listen, it doesn't keep them from continuing to move forward. The Bible says they realized it. Mark said they realized it when they were on their way. But did they stop and say, oh, no, we can't go. We won't be able to get in. Let's go home. No, they kept moving even in their uncertainty, they continued to move forward. Remember their question while they were walking, who's gonna roll away the heavy stone for us? And little did they know, little did they know that while they had been sleeping, while they had been frustrated and disappointed, while they had felt broken, God was on the move. He was on the move behind the scenes. He was moving boulders. Listen, there's something that we know that Peter didn't know that day on that Friday. There's, before Jesus' resurrection, there's something these women didn't know even on their way to the tomb. Jesus' death was not the end of the story. And I've got great Easter news for every one of us this morning. Jesus' resurrection assures us that nothing is too big for God in our lives. Nothing is too big for God. God's already working on whatever it is that you're worried about. God can bring back life to what you and I thought had no chance in our lives. God can remove barriers in our, in our lives that you and I would think that we could never get by. Maybe your one takeaway from Easter Sunday morning, the one thing that you need to remember is this. Follow the example of the Spice Girls. <laughs> Follow the example of the Spice Girls. Even when it's dark, even when there are barriers, even when you think you can't get behind the obstacle, keep moving towards God. Keep moving towards him. You just need to take a step of faith. Just keep moving in God's direction. You know, there's a long-standing tradition at Baltimore Orioles games. I've been an Orioles fan since I was a little kid. And before Camden Yards, we even went back down to Memorial Park. And they used to have this trend. Uh, tradition that in the seventh inning stretch, which is in the middle of the seventh inning, uh, they would have John Denver pipe through the system playing, thank God I'm a country boy. Never quite understood that, but it was wonderful. But here was the tradition. The tradition was, if you were sitting way up in the nosebleed seats, which we always were because we never had any, you know, we took our whole family and we were poor. So we'd sit way up at the top of the stadium. In the middle of the seventh inning, they would welcome everybody who was at the top of the stadium to come down to the front and fill in any seats 
in the lower level so that you couldn't just see the game at a distance. You could experience the game up close. And I love this moment. We learned to wait for this moment. As a matter of fact, we would spend the first seven innings of the game spying out the lower level in seats that were empty. And then as it got close to the beginning of the seventh inning, we would move to those aisles on the lower level and just kind of wait there, you know, hanging out looking all casual, and the second the seventh inning stretch opened up, man, we would rocket down to those seats and get as close to the field as we could, and those last two and a half innings were glorious innings, just glorious innings of being able to soak in, not just see the game at a distance, but to experience the game and be down in the middle of it. It was a whole different environment, and I hold that same thing to be true uh, in other stadiums as well. It's just become a tradition for my family uh, for it, uh, you know, a professional basketball game. It'll get beyond halfway in the game, and I'll have been watching seats down front. And at some point, we'll just kind of confidently make our way down to those seats because I believe that those people who were wealthy enough to afford those seats, if they couldn't make it out that night, they were thinking about the little guy. They were thinking about me. <laughs> That's what I've come to believe. And so we make our way down to those seats and maybe for the last part of the game, we actually get to enjoy the game from the first five rows or something like that. And I gotta tell you, when you go to an NBA game and there are seven footers running up and down that floor at a high rate of speed and you can feel the bounce of the ball, it's a whole different experience. It's nothing like watching, when you're up at the top, it's like you, can, you could stay home and watch it on TV. But when you're down courtside, it changes everything. You experience the game. And I think it's true in relationships as well. We can stay back from relationships and we can kind of stay at a distance and not risk it. And we can experience, yeah, they're in, th I have this friend, uh, this distant friend or this relative or this family member. And we can hold back in relationships. And yeah, we have a relationship still, but we're kind of watching it from a distance. But when we move towards that person and we're willing to risk a little bit and we're willing to come into relationship with them, then we feel and experience the relationship. We risk and it brings us to a place of intimacy where we're actually able to know somebody and be known by somebody, and it takes it to a whole new level. And I think this is exactly true in our relationship with Jesus, because I think in our relationship with God in life, when we risk it and we move towards God in faith, and we say, God, I'm gonna trust you in this area. I've never trusted you in before, but I'm gonna take a step of faith, and I'm gonna trust you with my finances. I'm gonna trust you with my marriage. I'm gonna trust you with this friendship. God, I'm gonna trust you with my schooling, with my job. I'm gonna fully put my faith and my confidence in you. When we do that, then we experience life in a whole different way because we experience it walking with our Savior, walking with, with the resurrected Christ and putting our full hope and confidence in him. And let me tell you this, there have been times in my life where I hid like Peter. There have been situations in my life when I ran away in those dark moments and I ran from God instead of moving towards him. But there have been other times in my life when I moved towards God in brokenness, in the dark, in challenges in my life, much like the women in the story. And I can tell you when I move towards God in faith, I take a step towards him and I put my trust in him, God gives me hope. He gives me hope. And in the long run, I got to experience God working in my life when I would do that on the other side of my uncertainty in very powerful ways that I would have otherwise never known. And when we read the Gospel of Matthew, we see what's actually happening while these women are walking in, un in uncertainty just before dawn on their way to the tomb. It was dark before sunrise, what, and they're frustrated and they're fearful, and they're, then they're thinking about failure. What if we can't even get to Jesus? 
But look how God was moving behind the scenes, answering them in their uncertainty. We find this in Matthew 28, verses 2 through 4. It says this, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. Whoa, Mark, why didn't you say that? <laughs> Matthew knows how to retell the story. Come on, Mark, give us some of that. That's the ending that we're all looking for. You see, God was already at work. While those women were walking in darkness, while Peter and the boys were hiding and crushed, God was behind the scenes at work, doing miracles, moving boulders. And what was true then is still true for your life and for my life today. And this is one of the messages I believe God wants every one of us to hear this morning. Look, don't you dare hang your head. Don't you dare turn around and go home because it's dark or it's uncertain, because you hit barriers, because you're disappointed, because you've lost faith. Because while you are worrying, God is working in your life. God does some of his very best work in the dark where he isn't seen. God does some of his very best work in the quiet, in the still places in our life where he isn't heard. And listen, this is so important this morning. Just because you can't see what God is doing doesn't mean he isn't already at work. Your disappointment with your life, your disappointments in life are not the end. They're simply something that God wants to walk through with you. Oh. And with that, I close my book. <laughs> and you're going to have to give me a minute. <laughs> Say happy Easter to the person beside you. God says when you move towards me in faith, you'll see me move in your life. God says when we move towards him, and we take a step of faith towards him, only then will we see the work that he's doing behind the scenes in our life. Have any of you ever heard the philosophical question, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, did it really make a sound? I hate questions like that. Listen, I have no idea how to answer that question, but this, this I do know. God is spelling trees in your life and in my life all the time, all the time. God's always at work, even in times when you and I are totally unaware of it. Even when you and I don't have a clue, he's at work in our lives. And sometimes we don't experience those miracles. I believe this with all my heart. We miss the miracles that God is always doing behind the scenes in our lives because we aren't willing to take a step of faith in trusting him in our darkness and disappointments. So we don't move towards God in those moments and we never experience the miracle that he had planned for us. And here's the good news for us this Easter. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, your disappointments are not the end of your story. Your uncertainty is not the end of your story. Your faithlessness is not the end of your story. Do you know, earlier in Mark's gospel, he talks a lot about Peter. And I think Peter might be the most disappointed person in Mark's story of the resurrection. Because Peter, as we all know, denied Jesus three times. Peter looked Jesus in the eye when Jesus most needed Peter's support and friendship and he ran away. But that's not the end for Peter. Peter's story doesn't end in failure. I want you to hear verse 7, because Mark slides something in before he finishes his pen stroke here at the end of his gospel. He slides something in that's very important. In verse 7, the angel tells these women to go and tell Jesus' disciples, and who? Peter. 
Go and tell my disciples and Peter. I love this. It's like Jesus leaves a note with the angel and he says, these women are gonna show up and this is what I want you to say to them. Go and tell my disciples I'm gonna meet them in Galilee. No, wait. Go and tell my disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Make sure you tell Peter. I'm gonna meet him in Galilee. Make sure you tell Peter the most disappointed one in the room. You tell Peter who doesn't believe he even belongs here. You tell the person who feels like they've lost everything. You tell the person who feels like their dream has died, the person that doesn't, feels like they don't deserve God's love. You tell the person whose life is a train wreck. You tell him, I'm gonna meet you in Galilee. I'm not done with you. I've got miracles I wanna do in your life and I've got things I wanna do through your life. I'm not finished with you. The one who denied Jesus and ran away is the one that Jesus singled out for redemption and that should give every person in this room hope. Every one of us. If what was true for Peter, if it was true for Peter, maybe it can be true for you. Maybe it can be true for me. Maybe my name can go in there. Hey, go and tell my disciples and make sure you tell Rick. I'm not done with him yet. You know, go and tell my disciples and make sure you tell Laura. I'm not done with her. Go and tell my disciples. You know, make sure you let each of them know. Make sure you let John know and Angie know. Make sure you let Scott know. Make sure you let them know that I'm gonna meet them in Galilee. Because wherever you are, however uncertain or disappointed you are today, it is not the end of your story. Jesus is saying to you this morning, I'm gonna meet you in Galilee. I'm not done with you. You need to hear that today. God's still at work. And the very fact that you're here this morning, the very fact that you showed up for Easter means that you're not hiding. And maybe, just maybe, you're here this morning because there's just a belief, just a seed of belief in you that God's not done with you yet either, that there's still hope for you. And maybe that's exactly what God wanted you to hear. You've been running. You've been turning the other way from me in your darkness and your disappointment. I'm not done with you. Run towards me. Take a step towards me by faith. See what I want to do in your life. Some of you know this, that on the other side of Peter's uncertainty, on the other side of Peter's failure, in the book of, beginning of the book of Acts, we read this some 50 days later, Peter will preach a message so powerful that thousands of people will believe in Jesus. Peter will preach a message so powerful. Thousands will believe in Jesus. And then G Peter, in Jesus' name, will make the lame to walk. And the Bible even says that Peter, in God's power, in the name of Jesus, raised people from the dead. Peter. Maybe that's why Mark ends his gospel in uncertainty. Because the end, the end was yet to be written. And Mark knew that. Mark knew that Jesus is waiting for us to move towards him in faith. So a new story can emerge for each of us. Now, if you're here this morning and you're in a place of uncertainty, you might be thinking, yeah, Rick, but what if I come to God? What if I take a step of faith towards God and it doesn't work? What if I come to God and it ends badly for me? What if I risk like you say and I put my trust in God and I walk towards him and there's no happily ever after for me? What then? But this is the great message of Easter. With God, even then, what we think is the end isn't the end. Because not even suffering, not even death is the end of the story with God. We just need to take a leap of faith, take a step of faith towards God, and say, God, I'm willing to trust you even in the dark, even in my uncertainty, even in my faithlessness. 
I'm willing to take a step towards you. Recently, Pastor Sean sat down with Melissa Guzik and talked with her about how God was writing a new story, even through her past tragedies and tough decisions, that when she took steps of faith to meet God, that God did some miracles in her life. Let's watch together. So Melissa, I remember when we first met at a daybreak, fresh start class where you were, I think, really trying to re-engage with your faith. And uh, that's kind of started your spiritual journey. Um, but I think it's really important that people hear the long journey that you've been on. What was that like for you growing up? My mom had gotten married, and this person that came into my life when I was younger then became really abusive, like my hair being pulled and drug across concrete. I graduated high school and had nowhere had nowhere to go. I made that choice then to walk away from God because I mean, God was not, to me, like he just wasn't there. He wasn't present. I was still, I was hurting. And those choices left me feeling even more broken mm. and lost. I've walked a decade of my life really struggling and wearing this mask that was so hidden. Because in that, in that search of trying to find more, I was in a relationship, ended up um, pregnant and struggling to figure out, like I can barely take care of these two precious girls that I have. What will I do with a third? And I remember being at a place that just feeling completely lost and with no hope again and no choice. And I made a choice to abort. A choice that scarred me in such a way that I just wanted to end everything. And God came in through people, through daybreak and reminded me of a story of the cross that my sin and my brokenness was paid for long ago that my hurt and my shame and the way that my life has been doesn't have to be what God's writing for me. That there's a new day and there's a new love. But he came in and every ounce of my story, he walked and he showed up and he's given me a new day a new love for myself. I'm reminded that my name is written on his hands. Melissa is written on his hands 
not a person that's condemned or not a person that has to carry shame of a past and of brokenness that, or a mask that I have to put on because I'm not good enough. But a different one that I can show that I am, I'm predestined, I'm adopted, I'm his beloved. Melissa, you had all these moments in your story that felt like endings. What are some of those new beginnings that God began and has showed you over and over? I'm writing a new story. I met Wally. He showed me through his person, Christ. A love that was so unconditional in that relationship blossomed into our marriage and we became this blended family with three beautiful girls and since then we've added three more beautiful children two boys and a little girl and from that I'm learning a new way I'm learning to be a mom to six and a wife that I don't have it together and never will I but that God continued to show up in my life. And he gives me the new identity in him to say that I, I got so much more for you, Melissa. You're enough. You're loved. And you're beautiful. And I rejoice in you. What was once is no longer now. There's new life. It's not the end. It's not the end. Wow. What if today is your resurrection day? What if this weekend is your resurrection moment? Your new beginning might just be on the other side of your step of faith. I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to walk in your darkness? Are you willing to walk in your uncertainty? Are you willing to walk in your disappointment and move towards God's new beginning for you? And maybe you came today feeling hopeless because of failure. Maybe you came wondering if there could be a new day for you in your marriage or in your career. Maybe you have been frustrated because you can't seem to get past your past and you wonder if you really could be forgiven, if you really could be free from the guilt and the shame that you've carried. Maybe you have some fears of what's ahead in your life or you're worried about a friendship or your kids or your family or about your future. Listen today. Maybe today you can realize that what feels like an ending for you, what feels uncertain and disappointing for you might just be the place of a brand new beginning with God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to stop and pray and I want to invite some of you who are feeling that uncertainty today to pray this simple prayer. Just pray, Jesus, I'm uncertain but I don't want to live in disappointment any longer. Lord Jesus, will you meet me in my uncertainty today and give me hope for a new beginning? Would you just pray that if you're uncertain? Jesus, meet me today in my uncertainty and give me hope. Some of you this morning have been deeply moved in your spirit and you want to believe that Jesus has a new beginning for you. But if you're honest, you don't think you've ever had a relationship with Jesus. And if that's the case, I want to invite you to pray this. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. 
I believe that you died for me on a cross and then you rose from the dead on my behalf. And I wanna take my first step of faith today. I wanna begin a relationship with you. And if that's you today, just pray, Jesus, I believe. I wanna take my first step of faith. I want a relationship with you. Some of you who have wandered off from God, maybe because you've been disappointed by life and you felt disappointed by God. Maybe it's been a while since you've trusted him, but today you're ready for a new day. And maybe this is your prayer, Jesus, I lost hope, but now by faith, I'm turning back to you. I wanna trust you again. I wanna trust you. And just pray that prayer, Jesus, by faith, I'm turning back to you. I'm walking towards you. And this is a prayer for all of us together. Lord Jesus, we confess that there have been disappointment in our lives. We confess that you, that these disappointments, all these things have caused us to run away from you instead of run toward you. But Jesus, today we are so grateful that your death was not the end of the story. We're so thankful that you defeated death and that gives us hope that with you, our disappointments don't have to be the end of our story either. Today we're choosing to take a step of faith in your direction. We're choosing to trust that you're at work in our lives, even in the dark places in our lives, that you're still rolling away stones, you're still removing barriers, you're still preparing us for the new day that you have for us. God, would you do an Easter miracle in each of us, a work of transformation in our lives as we take these steps of faith towards you. And it's in your powerful and loving name that we pray, amen.